Hello and welcome to Dungeons and Drama Nerds. My name is Nick and I'm here today with Todd. Hey there. And Percy. Hello. This week we're discussing character creation, specifically backstory and motivation. Um, and I think this is a topic that we have possibly different, but certainly like uh, controversial takes on. I think this is a controversial topic in tabletop circles generally. So let's start with a simple-ish question. How much backstory is too much? I mean, I think anything that's more than like enough to get you a slight motivation into just like making general choices for your character in play is too much. Well, here's my hot take. I don't think there is such a thing as too much or too little. I think every single person at the table needs to have roughly the same amount. And the GM needs to be on board with whatever that amount is. Because as a DM, if my if all of my players are like, here's my long backstory and all of the characters that might figure into the campaign, like here's my rival and my family and whatever, mm-hmm. I can work with that and I'll build the campaign around that because I have no problem with building a campaign from the backstories of my oh, players. Sure. The problem comes when one person has, um, for example, in my home game, everybody is now kind of bringing backstory, but one person has like, here's a bunch of NPCs that I built using Matt Mercer's um, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is really, really cool. And then somebody else was like, I don't know, I am from an island. Um, And those two things don't live well together at the same table because I don't, I think the problem comes when one person has so much backstory that it feels like favoritism to incorporate it into the game because somebody else is mm. coming to the table with like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm from the beach. See, I don't know that I actually feel like that is a problem, except in as much as I, I am in favor of like less backstory, because I I think I think in general, it doesn't help people Look, like if you want to write like backstory for yourself, that's fine and great and amazing and no problem with it. But I I don't think it helps people, either players or their GMs, as much as people sometimes think it does. Um, Well, I think it depends on what you're trying to do with it. Like if you have a story that you're trying to tell related to events that are happening right now. Yes, it is annoying to have a whole bunch of stuff that happened before that you know about but i think there are stories where it can have an can have an impact and it's nice i like the opportunity to turn it back onto my players and be like oh we're in your hometown can you describe it like what are well yeah but here here's here's my thing about it there's no reason you couldn't say to your players if they have if none of your players have provided you backstory there's no reason you can't say to your players like partway through the game hey i want to take you to your hometown can you describe it? And that, like, to me, I feel like that keeps more options open. Whereas, and and this, again, it's a very personal thing, but it's sort of how I used to approach acting. You know, I was uh, sort of taught the whole, like, Stanislavski system thing. I would, like, you know, write out all the characters' history and so on in my head. And then at some point, I was just like, listen, only one, like, set of things actually exists in this character and that's what that character does on stage mm-hmm. and i really do fundamentally believe that this is true for audiences as well i've had playwrights or dramaturgs sometimes say to me like you know oh do you think this scene works and I'd be like no i don't think it works because we're not going to understand this guy and they're like oh but 
the you know this thing from his backstory was explained earlier and i'm like i don't care like especially if it's a thing that is especially if it's a thing that is very different i guess i'll give a specific example mm-hmm. um there was a play i was working on that that was, that was about a woman who was in the armed services and suffered from ptsd and also and i'm forgetting the clinical term for it but um also was sexually assaulted in her time there and had PTSD from that, in addition to like her experience in general serving in a war. Um, And in this play, her ex-husband, who also is ex-military, like helps her out a lot, a lot, a lot. And at some point, somebody asked me, like, do you think that it seems like he is... um, I don't remember what the phrase they used was, but, you know, they're basically like, do you think it seems like he's saving her too much? And I was like, I think a little bit. Yes. And they said, oh, but we talk about how when he got back from Iraq, she was like there for him or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but we spend the entire play only seeing scenes in which Mm. he is constantly coming to her rescue. So I don't think that lands the Mm. same way. I guess I have kind of a similar relationship to character backstory where it's like you can write all this stuff if you want but if it's so voluminous that you're never going to get into it at the table Mm -hmm. like you can do it for yourself as a fun exercise but uh well for for me it's i i'm i guess maybe it's helpful to define what i understand to be because i think character backstory is not just like here's the story of everything that i have done in my life as this dragonborn paladin but it's like like i don't know significant events and groups that i've been a part of and people who are important to me and and that kind of thing which like as a gm i love that shit because it means i don't have to come up with it (laughs) sure Um, sure sure i mean i think like backstory is useful insofar as like it can help you find motivations for what you're doing now and those things can change i think sometimes people feel very beholden to their character backstories but don't understand that like like characters in books and also people in real life, like we all change and we grow. And so like your character having meaningful experiences should have an effect on how they view the world and things. Um, But two, I think it's like, it's useful in terms of motivating you and it's useful insofar as it can be a yes and, and not a no, but like, I don't think it's useful to have like, we're presented with a situation and someone at the table is like, well, my character wouldn't do that because of this thing that you guys don't know about this character. And like, unless you're going to explore that and like hash that out as characters, it just stalls out what was happening. And instead finding a way to either like incorporate that fear or that, that unwillingness into part of the role-playing session, it just like, puts a damper on things and puts a stop on things, but doesn't allow us to get to know those characters better. It doesn't allow us to make choices that are risky and daring for the characters. And instead it tends to like, Oh, well this bad thing happened in my past, but I'm not going to tell you about it because I feel really weird about it. So I'm not going to tell you about it. A thing that I really like that is related to this is the way that burning wheel does um character it's not necessarily backstory but i think i like that it approaches motivations is like it asks you to write these really specific like 
when X happens, my character does Y. Like when somebody picks a fight with me, I always engage or whatever. Um, and I think that that's really useful. But I also think that the motivation is in some ways separate from backstory beyond like X and Y events that led me to be this way. But I do think like an idea of what your character does in response to certain stimuli is a good thing to have coming into a game. Totally. Because it means that you like are role playing based on something as opposed to, I don't know, we'll figure it out, which is yeah. also fine. I, I mean, I guess to me, that feels very like weirdly trying to hard code behavior, which I don't love. I mean, I know it's, I know it's not hard. Yeah. I, I know it's not like hard coding, but I so I, I actually recently went through this because I had a little thing with my current Pathfinder group where I was like, let's let, let let's like flesh these characters out a little bit more because we were trying out the system and we decided we wanted to stick with it. Um, and to be entirely honest, I, you know, I gave them a like questionnaire that had a couple of required questions and then some longer questions. And most of the stuff that was about like background stuff for their characters, I looked over and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But honestly, I'm probably not going to use like I gave them the opportunity to give me that kind of fuller backstory. And I was like, but these like yeah like unless you're playing a very specific story where for example a character a player is like i want to be from this town and have a family here you know then you might need more of that um and there are lots of games that are like set up to support that and they usually build that backstory into it um yeah i guess i mean that's like that's very much how my home game is built is mm actively including these things as points of interest um because it's about building a world less than building a story but if you're trying to tell a specific story or you're trying to just do an adventure that is very much about like what is happening right now and what will happen as a result of our actions 100 percent i i don't care where your family lives or where you grew up <laughs> um or will i care but like it doesn't matter to the telling of the story there's something to be said about like the solo nature of um, specifically D&D, but I think this is also true of Pathfinder character creation that like allows you to get into this like superhero complex. I'm the most important character kind of a vibe that like what I enjoy about both um, Apocalypse World and Paranoia is that by doing character creation together, you're like either in Apocalypse World, you're like forging bonds with each other as you build your characters and choose your stats um, and people choose stats for you in some ways, which is interesting. Um, and then I think like conversely with Paranoia, um, because every boon for you is like a terrible thing for someone else as you're picking your stats, you build these tensions and these animosities and like where your characters were before that moment isn't really as important as understanding how they feel about each other now and finding a way to justify that with either stuff that came before or stuff that will come later. Yeah, I I love the way that Apocalypse World and games similar to it build backstory in the character creation, mm -hmm. um, especially because they force you to do it with the party members. And that's the thing that I I guess I find frustrating for like more D20 type games when players are like, I have this huge backstory. I'm like, great. I can't like pull this in without it. Like like you said, Percy, like without it kind of all becoming about you. 
because yeah. if, if if everybody has this huge backstory, then it becomes like too unwieldy to to navigate. Whereas what's great is when player when characters have a history with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of some kind. Yeah. I have two players in my home game who play twins and it's super, super great because there's so much to play off of. But also it doesn't center those two individuals. This is this episode is just us talking, <laughs> talking shit and <laughs> celebrating our home games. So sorry to anybody in my game who listens to the podcast. Um, I love you all very, very much. I'm specifically um, abstaining. Uh. <laughs> I, I love my home game, too. And lest I, I want to say, first off, because I, I was like, I'm not going to use a lot of stuff they sent me. First off, I did ask them for that stuff. But then what I did find useful, which I, I stole from a, a blog um, and then tweaked slightly, what I, I have found useful is asking three kind of simple questions, which are like, one, what's your motivation to like go on this adventure right now? Mm-hmm. Two, tell me one interesting thing about your character. And three, name like one to I think I said like one to three people your character really cares about and like that to me feels like the ideal amount of information because it gives you the like push to like that it gives you the thing to lean on to like push the adventure it gives you some potential characters to bring into it but then actually i love all the interesting facts because some of they're they're just like they create good storytelling moments because one of them is like my character can occasionally hear ghosts and i'm like that's dope. I love that. <laughs> and now I'm like definitely going to build ghosts into a story. Um, yeah. Well, and I feel like because um, that's what it, that's what I think draws me to liking when my character, when my players bring backstory in is I love plot hooks that come from mm-hmm. the players, because even if the story is like, you know, they're going to um, kill the red dragon that has taken over the kingdom or whatever it's really interesting to see how the party dynamic changes when like somebody from that character's past who has placed a bounty on their head, you know, comes to collect or whatever. And like, does this party gel around the character? Do they betray that character? Like what happens? That's interesting to me. But also I think you're right that some games just are not built to accommodate party creation when ultimately the party is what's important. Like I think probably the most Googled question about like starting a DM or a Pathfinder campaign is like, how do I, how do I start it? That's not, you meet in a tavern. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, because there's no way to build a party relationship in right at the very beginning without like borrowing something from a different game, which of course you can always do, but like, there's nothing baked in that's like, Oh, here's what gels you all together, which is why you see so many hot take in my opinion, kind of hackneyed things where it's like, you all wake up and you're in jail together or like, yeah. <laughs> You know, mm. you're all like Im- implicated in a crime and you're bonded together by like having to, you know, whatever. Like there's no there's no good way inherent in the system to make all of these people want to to be together, which is why I think so many GMs tend to just be like your adventurers who work for the Adventurers Guild. <laughs> right. Well, and I think like one of the things that I really love about character creation in masks, um, which maybe we'll play someday in the far future um is that 
part of character creation in that game is you all answer questions about how you became a team. So not only like what are your different ties to one another, but what was the inciting incident that brought us all together? And you get to work through that as a group, but you don't play it out. You just like ask and answer questions. And then you go on like adventures that happen after you've already formed a group, even if it's tenuous, which I think is really cool to like mechanize that um i also not to be that guy again um but in james damato's the ultimate (laughs) rpg gameplay guide he has no he has this thing that i found was really useful because i had talked with my players about backstory and there were some things that were useful there and some things that i pulled from um but a way that he phrased it that i found really really useful is like talking to your players about three types of goals what are their immediate goals what are their like you know something over the course of this arc goals and what are their like what is the thing that this character wants in order to be a better version of themselves you know, something like that. And I think that told me so much more about what they were striving for, what they were aiming for, um, and allowed me to make meaningful situations for my players rather than me digging through their backstory and saying like, I think this is the thing that's important to them. And hopefully looping that in will like hook them into the story more. And mm-hmm. instead is like, these are the things that I actionably want to achieve. And I feel like we think it's gauche to like have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, like as a, I know I know that I have felt as a newbie DM that like it is my goal to create compelling stories for my players and to do that all on my own and like blah blah blah. And I think that's really hard and I think instead of having these open conversations that are like what does your character want to explore? Like I'm not necessarily going to hand you all of that on a silver platter, but like what are situations that would be exciting for you and your character? I think is so much more useful for building an exciting game than like tell me where you were as 10-year-old. In some ways I think it's about decentering the role of the DM from like arbiter of story and creator of worlds to like facilitator of a game for other like as much as gms are players in the game as well and should also have a stake and enjoy the story that's being told you are facilitating an experience you are facilitating an experience for the players at the table and it's really about the party and this is only in my brain because i'm also currently reading emergent strategy so i'm thinking a lot about like decentering um and and you know one person can't be responsible for everything but i feel like to me that argues for less uh like backstory not more it does, be- it does, yeah be- because see like to me the thing i feel like and this may be partly me because i'm like trying to figure out how to run a game while being in grad school so i'm like how do, how do i do less prep relatable <laughs> 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 um but you know i i think there's something like beautiful and fun if the characters or excuse me if the players are down for it to to be like maybe we all maybe the gm only needs to keep in mind like two things about every character to like push the adventure and then when there are moments the characters the players can either reveal little bits of their backstory if they've like made decisions or they can make up on the spot you know be like oh npc or fellow pc your like brother just died 
I love my brother. And that, and like, then the GM like gets to have that react. The GM gets to experience that too. And you like create new story hooks in gameplay rather than the like weird, I don't know. Here's my tome of. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it feels to me like it's not as decentered as it could be. If it's like the player goes off and like writes down their, yeah like. this is a this is an excellent point and i think the thing that i get stuck on is like you're right it doesn't have to happen before the game starts like there's no like hard stop on when you decide things about your character it absolutely is valid to be like oh maybe i'm responding to this moment in this way because of x thing that happened in the past and then you make that decision in the moment and that's mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I also think it is like I I like that we're gravitating around this question of like the party versus the individual, because like I think a lot of the like backstory tropes that we make fun of a lot in tabletop RPGs, like the like the archetypical urchin rogue whose parents are dead and they're an an orphan who who always goes off by themselves um, and doesn't tell anybody anything is something that's easy to make fun of because it's like not oriented around the party. And it's like, why are you here? If you <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you have to have a reason to be there. Yeah. Although it's not oriented around the party, but I will say, I think one reason those tropes became so common is because they give you like, if you're playing a kind of old school D and D type game, they give you the perfect character to be like, I will fuck off into the wilderness and attempt to enrich myself and my allies because you have like zero pre-existing attachments. There's uh, a game designer I really like, Crystal Frazier, who works for, I think, Green Ronin now. But, you know, she said at one point she was like, in a typical D&D-esque fantasy world, most adventurers would not actually be like, uh, you know, straight men. Because in a typical medieval fantasy world those are the people who have the power anyway and like adventurers are by definition people who live on kind of the margins Mm -hmm. of their societies so like if you have a wife and children and so on you're probably less motivated to go like herring off into the dragon's dungeon in search of gold because like you have responsibilities you can't just go die fighting a dragon because you want to get rich i mean you could but it makes you a worse person (laughs) well and i think there's also i think especially in fantasy games like we're pointing towards dungeons and dragons a lot i think in fantasy games when you're building these characters the sorts of characters that you are going to build them based on are characters who are largely from books or tv shows who have these like epic origins or um, through some secret or chance encounter become these heroes. And it is exciting to get to try to play a character that's like that. But a lot of those characters rely on mystery um, and like the mystery of their mm-hmm. past coming into play later in their life and stuff like that. And it's exciting to attempt to play that. But having a mystery that like, you know, but the other performers or ensemble doesn't know is a much harder thing to do, like keeping secrets from your party um means one thing for you in terms of like narrative and performing and playing enjoyment and a very different thing for your other castmates, your other players. Um, and like finding a way to effectively say like, I need you to trust me on this, but I can't tell you what's happening 
can mm-hmm. be so frustrating and like such yeah. a hard thing to marry well. I think there's probably ways to do it in a way that like it's an exciting reveal for the rest of the cast, but I think it's so tricky and so hard to do. And so you have to kind of like step out of the game a little and say like, here's here's what's going on. Are we cool with going down this path? I mean, I, th- I think in many ways it's another of the like myriad things in tabletop RPGs where it's just like you have to have buy-in from everybody, which is why I think my instinct in answering the question of like how much backstory should you have is like, as long as it is even among everybody, whatever is fine. Because I think ultimately just everybody needs to buy into a game Mm -hmm. where you either are or aren't coming in with these things. Like I think like if we're talking about, weaving character backstory into gameplay the elephant in that room is critical role um oh yeah because if you are unfamiliar multiple players in their ongoing campaign did a thing where they told the dm here's five years of my character's life that they don't remember go nuts and those are now really pivotal important plot elements in in the in the current story where they where they are which I think some people would find absolutely infuriating. Um, and some GMs would super not be down for if you're just like, here's um, here's what it is. But that's a campaign that's really centered around like backstories and personal quests. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of what the characters are doing is about like resolving individual storylines and the party all buys into it because they're a group that is brought together by the main story. Um, but that's not everybody's thing. Mm-hmm. I would also offer as like a counterpoint, I think in many ways what Critical Role is doing is making television. Well, um, yes, you are you are not. And wrong. so like they are they are performing with an audience in mind. And so having these like flashbacks and like secret stories and stuff like that. Yeah, they're making an extremely compelling thing to be consumed as opposed yes. to when you're playing a game. Yes, this is a, I have I don't, players I don't think that, that discounts it, yeah, yeah. but I think that like um, that, that is part of why they are doing it. Yeah. But speaking as a person who has players who love that shit mm-hmm. and love doing it in our home game, like I can mm-hmm. confirm that it is also sometimes like a thing that is just really like exciting to people, um, who are playing a game for that specific reason, but not everybody wants to do that. And sometimes it's a lot. And I frequently, I would argue it's a lot more satisfying to build stuff at the table with everybody else and see how it plays out as opposed to coming in with all of these things mm-hmm. and slow burn revealing it. Um, but another thing that I think is really interesting when you get away from games like Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons, like paranoia doesn't leave you a lot of space to like build a backstory in. <laughs> um, it actually is kind of anti because like most of you are starting at infrared you have no memory of your life you've been high as balls your whole life and you're only just now like seeing with unclouded eyes i mean everyone has the same backstory you just said it like that's 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 (laughs) by default that is the backstory for paranoia Mm. well and i think that's part of what was fun about playing squick is like i went into that with nothing I was like, Ben's going to like, I'm starting at infrared. I have no prior anything. And so I gravitated towards things that my character like knew ish, which were very few and sometimes involved brooms. Uh, (laughs) And like Ben was very surprised that I bought a plus two broom, but I was like, all I know how to do is sweep. Of course I'm buying a plus two broom. This sounds great. (laughs) This is the coolest broom I've ever seen in my life. 
It's a great broom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I think that's really freeing in a lot of ways to just not like to gain your motivation for like who your character is and what they're drawn to almost entirely from like what you're receiving around you and the secret society that you're in, like you're given circumstances in this exact moment. Mm -hmm. And there's like so much external motivation given to you by like, I don't want to get any trees and stars and like I'm doing what the computer's asking me to do. And I'm trying to do my secret society thing and I'm trying not to get caught having a mutant power. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much external stuff that like, I don't think you necessarily need like my character wants to I don't know. My character's objective is to become a famous Broadway actor in Alpha Complex. <laughs> <laughs> in conclusion, no backstories. No backstory. Well, I don't. I I'm still. Here's the thing. I'm still on team backstory, um, but that's no. very much like. I don't know. I, I I really think it's one of the things where like some games encourage it and make use of it, and others don't, and both are fine. And I think it's another situation where it's just like what individuals prefer so anybody who wants to bring their really like in-depth backstory is welcome at my table percy says backstories for all who want them backstories Um. for all who want them solidarity forever um no i i think for me um and i'm not sure if i've expressed this clearly over the course of this conversation but i think like Backstories to me are useful insofar as they get you to move forward and don't hold you back. Um, And that's the thing that I think is like most important. But I think a lot of people use it as an excuse to hold themselves back. Yeah. They use it as a, I wouldn't do X and not, I will do Y. And I think it's much more exciting for like, backstory no backstory do what you want if your family was like killed by dragons and you're afraid of dragons like cool great how does that make you act in this moment not what does that make you think about about then but how does that make you act now i think it is an exciting route to go down yeah i i think it has to center the question of what is what is this doing? What, yeah. What is this doing for me right now? Why does it, what does it make me feel about what's currently happening and why am I here in the first place? Like those mm-hmm. are the, that's the, those are the questions that I want backstory to answer. Absolutely. Um, because I think, and it also, I think depends on what you're, what, you, what the game is for, which I think, mm-hmm. as yeah. you said, is a question we don't really ask openly enough. Um, yeah. What kind of a game are we playing? What are we doing this for? Yeah, well, and what is the tone of the game? Because um, if you are really down to have like a like a game that explores tragic themes um, or like unpacks tra- trauma, um, which is not necessarily what I want in my D and D game, is the primary focus. But you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, but if everybody on the table is on the same page about like, oh, we want to do this thing, then maybe, yeah, now's the time to bring in your like everybody comes from a different village that was destroyed and they're the, lo- they're the lone survivor <laughs> um, type of backstories. But yeah. Well, as James D'Amato said, <laughs> no, actually, he he makes some really good points about this, about like part of our session zeros should be about what are the stories that we're interested in telling? Not only like, what are the things that we know that we want to avoid um, to make sure that we're having like a safe and exciting space um, where we can have 
you know, very daring and risky choices, but what are the things that we know that we want to specifically pursue and how can that, instead of each of us feeling like I have a thing that I want, but I don't know if everyone else wants that. So I don't know if I want to bring it up, having those conversations about like, no, I want a story where like we go and we fight 17 dragons in a row because that's what I came here to do. It's dungeons and dragons and there's not enough dragons <laughs> like great. That's great. Um, and I think that's wonderful. And I think we should have that candor more. And I think there's all of this like we need to have smoke and mirrors so that people are surprised and so people are engaged um, that like I think it can be a satisfying to know like. I know that I want to explore this and they know that I want to explore this. And so we can set up a situation where I'm given that opportunity. Finding out what those motivations are and what your players like can really determine like what the tone of the game is. I had a player who and I would not have known this if she didn't tell me this, but I was like, what do you want in the game? And she was like, I would really love a game where we travel to a lot of different places and like meet different people from different like cultures cool and, like that's amazing also this means that like we i have to make sure that nobody else in the group wants a game where you stay in the same small town and like you know deep relationships <laughs> what, what's our where you go in a mega dungeon and you <laughs> right yes this means that we're not doing a mega dungeon and like we also can't do a like you know there are games I love that are like urban intrigue where you stay in the same city the whole time and you can like develop relationships with the many like lovingly detailed NPCs in that city. But like, no, if you want to like bop all over the world and meet different, like be in different cultural contexts, that's awesome. But it rules out some other things. Yeah. So takeaways, um, everybody at the table should be on roughly the same page about like, what they're interested in doing, whether it like both in terms of what kind of story you're telling and also how much you're bringing to the table from your own brain. And also just like ask, ask for the things that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not Great having like lessons. weirdness or shyness about openly discussing like goals and wants and needs. And I feel like in our society, we don't do that enough in general. Todd's put his foot down, everyone. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for listening to Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Tune in next week for the continuation of Saving 73 JPEGs I Desperately Need, our Paranoia Actual Play campaign. Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percy Hornack, and Nick Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel Dean. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DNDramaNerds. Check out cast bios on our website, DungeonsAndDramaNerds.com, and tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. <laughs>